How you doing? I'm Doug Devaney and you're listening to the Plastic Podcasts, tales of the Irish diaspora. We all come from somewhere else. Find out more and subscribe to us at www.plasticpodcasts.com. This is the Plastic Podcasts minicast, the first half of my interview with Jess Moriarty. Now, the Plastic Podcasts was never intended to be a hotbed of academic debate. However, one way or the other, we're on our eighth episode and we're already on to our third doctor. We now have Dr. Jess Moriarty, a course leader for creative writing at the University of Brighton and a third generation member of the diaspora, being the daughter of Paul Moriarty, also of this parish. Jess specialises in stories, and in particular, community stories. But the first thing I wanted to know was, can you actually learn how to write from a course? I think creative writing can be supportive, encouraged, inspired. I think you can learn about different approaches, different techniques, and then kind of think about your own, um, uh, uh, kind of what your sense of good storytelling is, and use all of that to inform and enhance and develop that. Uh, But yeah, of course being a great storyteller is reliant on so many other things as well as a, a, a kind of class or a university experience you know so and we're not a conveyor belt you don't just come in and we promise that you will uh, you, you will kind of leave all with the same skills and the same experience and the same way of telling stories because that would mean our courses were failing um so so you know a lot a lot of my work has has, has kind of been built around the fact that autobiographical experiences and 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 the things that we engage with when we're children and um our life experiences and and all of those other things go into the cauldron that 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 have a massive effect on the kind of writers that we end up being um but certainly i think that that, you know at the university we provide a supportive environment uh with really passionate tutors who are all writing themselves so have a kind of empathy with 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 how amazing but also how difficult writing can be um, and to give students kind of, you know, the, the, the time to, to share their work and their ideas and think about what might kind of uh, develop their writing and also hear from professional writers. So this year, Bernadine Evaristo is coming in to talk to them. Uh, we've had Moshin Hamid come in. We've had Ali uh, Smith. We've had Karen Joy Fowler. We've had, um, you know, so we had Dorothy Coonson come in um, last year as well. So, so some really fantastic writers share their experiences with them as well. And I think that combination of all those things can support people, uh, students to become, become stronger, better, uh, more confident writers. Now, you also emphasise the notion of community, don't you? I do, yes. Uh, oh my goodness, you have been stalking me. So, uh, so, so because there's this idea that the, a writer is quite a narcissistic, uh, or lonely person, you know, the idea of the, the writer in their garret, uh, writing reams and reams every day, uh, uh, kind of the, the Virginia Woolf, a room of my own kind of, uh, uh, notion as well. And of course, there's a lot to be said for that. A lot of writing does involve sitting on your own and, and getting on with it. But, Obviously, and, 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 you know, a, a lot of Irish writers I know would, 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 would agree with this, that, that it's a writer's responsibility to look up and out at the kind of world around them as well. And also to engage with new ideas and new communities and, um, and new histories and kind of concepts and, and research that maybe they haven't even thought of before to enliven their writing and, and create new genres and new ideas in writing as well. So, so yeah, so we really, um, uh, on the MA, for example, students have to do, they have to become artists in residence. So they join an organization or a, a site specific, um, a, a, a kind of placement, uh, where they draw on that space as a way of, uh, kind of improving and developing their writing. 
none of us come sort of, you know, fully formed out um, and so I go right I'm going to be a um, I'm going to be a creative artist. So you, uh, you you're born as um, with with uh, with Irish grandparents, yes? Yep. Uh, so on my dad's side, I had Irish grandparents, uh, both uh, brilliant storytellers, but not uh, none of neither of them. Um, and on my mum's side as well, they my um, none of my grandparents um, got to go to university, uh, but were really uh, intelligent, loved to go to the theatre. You know, my my Irish grandparents in particular, they loved to be out they love to be at the theater they love to be at kind of music events they like to be out kind of just out where it was happening my my grandmother's there was a joke that my grandmother's suitcase was always packed because she was always ready to be off and out and uh, and kind of up to new adventures and creating new stories um and then my parents uh you know, I am, I am as, I, you know, I, I consider myself as, as, as lucky as they come because my dad's an actor. My mum was a teacher and a counsellor as well. And, um, she specialised in English literature and drama. Um, and of course, all the time from a very young age, you know, I've got really early memories of being encouraged to go to the theatre. In fact, this is a very good Irish Catholic story. My earliest memory of going to the theatre is watching my dad play God. Uh, so, uh, and actually my, on the stage, my dad got to decide which side of the audience went to heaven and which went to hell. Um, so you can imagine as a, as a seven year old, um, this was quite high stakes. Uh, so, but luckily we were inside of the audience that went to heaven. So, so that was good. I don't know what happened to the rest of them. Uh, yeah, they're living through Brexit now, probably. Um, so, uh, so, so, so we were always going to, to the theatre and encouraged to, to kind of, um, engage with, uh, you know, museums and galleries and, 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 and so we had kind of a, a, a really creative childhood, you know, and, and really encouraged to tell and write and make stories. So make up plays and things, um, like that with our friends. So, so yeah. And what was the, what was the moment when you went, you know, I think I'd like to do this? I think, so a lot of my life, obviously, I was being told, oh, you'll be an actor like your dad, you'll be an actor like your dad. And I did do um, drama at school and at college, and I did used to really enjoy it. But I think as with any craft, you know, if you're doing something that you that, that, that you that you really love, well, I was quite half-hearted with drama. Like, I could do it, and I did enjoy it, but I never really seemed to get too nervous and and I just thought somebody that really gets that adrenaline kick and is in love with this should be doing it you know it's, it's an honor and a, it's a it's an honor and a privilege to to to, to be an actor and, and 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 so I decided that was that was for, for for those people um whereas you know I still get an adrenaline kick from teaching but also from writing and sharing my work and working with other writers doing collaborations you know that for me is kind of um what what takes my breath away and pushes me and challenges me and surprises me and and where I feel I kind of develop myself you know where I find out most about myself but also get to hear from kind of new um new artists as well which is always kind of reviving and refreshing what I write too so what was the first thing that you wrote as a professional writer uh, as a professional writer, God, because I thought when I was, so when I was about 13 years old, I wrote a musical that was about the start of World War One, and I did it to the music of Joseph and Technicolor Dreamcoat. So 
So there is a copy of one of my friends has still got that uh, that musical uh, available somewhere. So she's used it to blackmail me for many years. Um, uh, so so I used to do things like that all the time, like makeup plays and makeup. Um, and it just used to, you know, used to make my friends happy. Uh, so 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 that's what that was like what I used to do. And um, and then I went to uh, Norwich University and um, I wanted to be a journalist. So I did work experience at, at, for different radio stations and um, for different newspapers and then realized that actually journalism uh, can be quite uh, uh, cutthroat, I would say. So that that didn't feel like that's what it was. That, that was right for me. Um, so then I actually uh, worked at a cinema for a long time and realized, you know, which I hated, but I loved watching films. Um, and I decided to do um, the MA in creative writing at Sussex. And sort of since then, I've been I've not stopped writing since then, really. Which takes us around to the, the first thing that you wrote professionally. So the first thing that I, I guess the first thing that I wrote professionally, I was, I was always writing kind of um, kind of poems and uh, little plays and stuff like that. But the first thing that I actually got published was probably an academic article, uh, which I say it's really bad that I screw my face up when I say that, isn't it? So I'd written bits that didn't get through. So I wrote, I'd written kind of TV scripts and short scripts and um, things that didn't, that kind of that I submitted that didn't get published and stuff. Um, but it's often got good feedback and things like that. And then when I joined academia, I was writing um, journal articles um, that usually that, that that kind of from very early on included poetry and autobiographical writing as well. Um, and that's kind of you know since then uh, that's you know that's part of being a, 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 a an academic. You just you have to you have to write. Um, and for me, well, at first I thought this academic writing is not for me. It's not in the kind of style I want to do. I don't find it interesting. When I read it myself, um, but 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 I actually think academic writing is evolving in a really interesting um, way. You know, there's all sorts of different genres and styles of academic writing. There's much more permission to include creative. You know, in the past, creative writing was sort of seen as the um, as the poor relation to academic, which is crazy because obviously creative writing. I mean, all writing is creative, but kind of fiction, poetry, script. Um, has a much wider readership and much wider access. It is much more diverse and democratic and inclusive than academic writing. So that is that weird snobbery from academia, why, why it's not as kind of important as academic writing. But, but more and more now, those boundaries are very positively, um, blurring. So, so, you know, all of my, um, academic work has, uh, has kind of personal and or, um, poetry scripts, uh, prose writing in it. So let's move on to the, the personal then and influences. I mean, what inspires you? Um, well, one of the things that does really inspire me is working with other people. So um, I had a book published last year, which was meant to be um, written by me. Well, it was written by me. That sounds that sounds terrible then, doesn't it? But actually, so so all of the chapters I said that I was going to interview another artist and every single interview I did, the person I interviewed then said, oh, I'd quite like to do a bit of writing for this as well so in the end nearly every chapter ended up being co-written um because so the process was that we would walk and talk about creativity and then we would and then I was going to write about it but then the person often said oh I'd like to take some photos or I'd like to do a bit of writing as well um so um and some of those so we, I had um an artist I had a poet 
Um, I had a, a, a teacher. I had um, a, a, a whole range of people from different backgrounds. Somebody that works in inclusive arts, um, a fine artist. Um, so, uh, so all people from kind of different backgrounds who who wanted to, to to kind of be part of that. And actually, at first, I was a bit like, oh God, this is kind of being taken over by these these people. Um, and then realized actually it's much better for it. The the dialogue between myself and the other artists was was kind of what 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 kept me passionate and motivated about the book and hopefully is what makes it interesting as well what we have there is is kind of like the stories being shared yes absolutely which yeah. kind of brings us to it's a, it's a really tight we talk about stories and storytelling and obviously this is a, a podcast about the diaspora and oh. storytelling comes quite high on the list of things that people describe the irish as being like known for yeah um, and I think that it, you know, some, some of my earliest memories of being with my, um, grandparents is sitting in my nan's, um, living room in Wembley on her green sofa with various aunts and uncles around, um, telling stories, you know, singing songs or being taken up to Kilburn to go and, uh, visit my auntie Doreen or auntie Kathleen um, in their flat and talking about the past and talking about kind of this person from the family or that person from the family um, and I used to absolutely love it I was kind of um, spellbound um, by, 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 by those kind of instances if you like as well um, and that's coupled with uh, you know, my dad is a, a brilliant storyteller and really interested in new stories and um, kind of hearing from and reading stories, but also seeing stories at the theatre and in the cinema as well. And my and my mum very much too. So 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 you know, I think stories are at, at the very heart of what it is to be human. It's how we make connections. It's how we understand history. It's how we understand the world around us. It's how we understand and relate to each other, and and also how we understand ourselves as well. So. So yeah, I suppose it's it's the kind of heartbeat of everything we do. Do you think that it's a skill that we lose? I think we can. Um definitely I you know, and this is why I think storytelling is so tied up with our well-being as well. I know that we're not because obviously working at the university, I've got three children, uh life gets in the way as well. So I know when I'm not writing stories, um it's sort of anesthetizes me. I feel that I become less sensitive to the world and sometimes maybe that's a survival strategy at the moment, who knows. Um, but yeah, I find that it's only when I'm writing and kind of putting down what I think and what I've heard um, that, that, that I'm kind of most sensitive to, to what's going on. I mean, sensitive in, the, in a positive way, not in a kind of, you know, um, overly emotional way. Um, but it's it kind of means yeah, I feel like I'm kind of tuned out of, of what's really happening in the world and also with me if I'm not writing um and yeah you know that 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 storytelling when I was young with with my grandparents and with these kind of um magical uh aunts as well um uh, uh, that's again when I felt kind of alive when I felt kind of sensitive to, to to the world and the people in it You're listening to The Plastic Podcasts, Tales of the Irish Diaspora, We All Come From Somewhere Else. As an academic, Jess Moriarty has championed the importance of community and autobiography in literature. I wanted to know a little more about her own biography, starting with her childhood. Um, 
see i'm i'm i i know i'm really lucky so so in my um memories of childhood it always feels like it's light and summery now of course that's not true growing up in edgeware wasn't summer all the time um and then growing up in brighton as well you know it's uh there there must have been rain and wind uh but my childhood memories are always um pretty uh sunny you know uh, I, i feel like i come from a family who uh are really kind of connected that uh that that for whatever kind of uh, differences or tensions always did want to kind of work through them and stay connected to each other um that did kind of going out and socializing a lot together and sharing experiences of going abroad of uh trying out new cultures and things as well um and having having a lot of laughs and a lot of fun um but also uh, you know very political as well so 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 you know so all of my grandparents um and my my parents as well would 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 kind of um socialist in their own way <laughs> uh especially my my mother and my father um so yeah so 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 my memories are of a, a kind of culturally rich um happy childhood uh, uh, uh with lots of kind of interesting characters and and lively experiences and you say there was a lot of storytelling from your 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 aunts and and grandparents and so forth i think very early on as well it felt like a privilege to be listening in on those stories and i know i didn't get all the stories i know that you know my nans and my aunts had their stories that they that they that they didn't share or couldn't share for whatever reason um but it generally felt like you know to be sat in an armchair listening in um to these stories being told it felt like a, a real gift it felt like a, I was really lucky to be in on it I felt you know I felt like I, fe- I, I felt lucky and grown up to be hearing all those hearing these kind of snippets of, of stories from the past does that, that does a sense of being Irish inform your work see this is this I mean this is really interesting because I think definitely you know I talk about my um my my nan in my work a lot and 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 with it linked and I talk about my sense of identity and where I feel that comes from including you know autobiographical memories autobiographical experiences and the um characters that inspired and uh were kind of like my touchstones I suppose as well you know when you're when you're trying to make sense of yourself as a child and as a teenager as an adult as a 42 year old woman you know you often do look back to the past and the people in it as a kind of touchstone for for a sense of where you're at and 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 why you are the way you are um so uh so i think in terms of that my connection with my irish heritage does inform everything i do it's like you know how could it not your mum was was english yes my mum's english her father her father was welsh um but he kind of he didn't have a very uh, happy childhood so sort of um denied his welsh heritage we never went to wales or anything like that so so yeah but my you know my 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 Irish grandparents were um, kind of always talking about Ireland and 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 how amazing it was and how much they um, loved it and about their journey from Ireland to this country and and what that had been like and how it felt to be um, kind of an outsider and out and unwanted and and what they'd done in order to to make um, this country their home. And do you feel that you share some of that sense of I don't know estrangement being an outsider estrangement to this country or to ireland oh either <laughs> um 
see, you know, this is where I have to be careful because I don't want to romanticise too much my connection with Ireland. But definitely I did feel a very deep connection to my um, Irish grandmother. I wanted to be like her. Um, I was going to say I looked up to her, but she was only four foot eleven. Um, so I don't remember looking up to her for too long. And she wore these, but she did wear these massive heels all the time. Uh, and she, she used to work, um, in all the big department stores like Dickens and Jones and Selfridges and Harrods. So she would always be very well dressed. Um, and she, you know, that was something really important to her. She never had a naked nail or toenail. And that is definitely something that I have uh, inherited uh, from her. You know, that's kind of my homage to her, I suppose, as well, to have these. Uh, it wasn't it's not green on purpose today for the for the Irish interview. Um, we thank you for the subconscious tribute anyway. You're welcome. Um, so, yeah. So so, so I, I, I really did feel, you know, when I when I grew up, I wanted to, to be like her. She lived this very glamorous life. You know, even though she lived on a kind of housing estate in, in Wembley, she was always out. She was always uh, partying after work with this, you know, this range of women from different backgrounds. They were always going off on holiday together. Um, they were always, you know, living this kind of this, they, you know, they were the, sort of the original sex in the city gang, if you like. <laughs> um, and yeah, just just wanted to be one of these strong, uh, funny um, women. I'm saying that today and I realise I am in my PE kit uh so the uh so maybe that doesn't quite come across this morning but yeah she was she was a massive inspiration and and then uh the English side was that was was there still a sense of belonging there as well I mean just I suppose by virtue of being in England yeah absolutely I don't feel I don't feel I mean I don't feel like I am I you know I am a I'm a white uh middle class uh heterosexual woman i am you know i am not i don't feel marginalized i'm ve- i'm in a very privileged um position i'm i'm very aware of that uh so yeah so i don't feel outside um kind of uh my english culture but i definitely have always felt this very strong golden thread connecting me to my irish heritage and that's much more family i suppose than it is place it is family not place yeah i mean i have obviously i've been to ireland um i love ireland um, I've taken my children to Ireland. My, my children actually have got my surname, not my husband's surname because, um, and, uh, because I feel, you know, I feel, felt so strongly and he did as well, you know, felt so strongly about, um, them having, um, the Irish surname. So, uh, so, so, you know, I definitely do have a, a, a kind of a golden, uh, thread linking me to, to Ireland. And, and what was the sense of that? Uh, I don't, I just, I mean, what was the sense of that? So, um, we weren't, we actually weren't married at the time anyway, and we'd, we'd kind of made the decision not to get married, although weirdly we are married now. Um, and, uh, just from, it was a feminist thing, but also I do have a very strong sense of my name. Um, and, uh, it wasn't an argument. It wasn't, there wasn't any tension. I just said I'd really like the children to have my surname and, and he was fine with it. So, you know that was it was good they are moriarty's as well he often says it himself so have they ever listened to the goons they have not listened to the goons actually weirdly their welsh grandfather great grandfather would have wanted them to do that so but their time will come they're still small they've got lots to look forward to how old are they um so my youngest is nine my middle child is um 11 and then i have a stepson who's 20 the moriarty's themselves when i was talking to your father he was saying that it's like the vast 
vast majority of Moriarty's in Ireland are basically sort of like round one particular. Is, is it Tralee? Yep. So, uh, so actually, I went back to um, my husband, my now husband. And I went back to Ireland when we first got together. He took me on um, a holiday to Ireland. We went to Carsevine and Tralee and to Dingle. Um, and in Dingle in particular, there are loads of Moriarty's, like on shop fronts, on restaurants, on bars. You know, the Moriarty name is everywhere. Um, so, yeah, so they're, they're all from that neck of the woods. You've been listening to The Plastic Podcasts with me, Doug Devaney, and my guest, Jess Moriarty. Music by Jack Devaney. Find out more about us and subscribe at www.plasticpodcasts.com or you can email us at theplasticpodcasts at gmail.com or you can just catch up with us through Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. The Plastic Podcasts is sponsored using public funding by Arts Council England.